0: Hey, this is Dave Pryor. Welcome to Leading Agile Sound Notes. Today, we're going to focus all on coaching stances, and Luther Harris is with me. Luther, thank you for taking time out of your day. Thanks for having me, Dave. I don't even know how to explain to these people what you do, even though you work pretty much in the same part of the company. Um, His title, Luther's title is Learning and Development Coordinator. So what does that entail?
1: Um, Currently, I facilitate the onboarding process for all of our new employees. Okay. Um, also help schedule and run the in-person immersion program that happens um, for our new employees as well. So um, right now I'm actually diving into the micro learning space and helping to build that. Okay,
0: cool. So I just, I want to explain a little bit about the onboarding thing for folks who don't work at leading agile um, while people come to the company, they, they might know a lot about agile itself or transformation. Leading agile has a specific approach. And so when people join here, Join the company, they go through a process of being taught a lot about how we do the work, how we approach it, you know, the whole base camp model and expeditions and everything like that. And how long does it take for somebody to get schooled up?
1: The full process is about 17 weeks. So you have one week of uh, self paced, four weeks of meetings with members from the executive team, and then 12 weeks of meetings with consultants to just go through the leading agile way. Okay. Um, so it, it's really cool. Our consultants are really excited and, you know, love to impart their knowledge and their experience upon our new people so that they can better get out there and do what leading agile does best. Yeah. So
0: this is a big deal because like when I was doing coaching stuff, a bunch of the companies that I worked at, you would basically get hired and they would just throw you into a place and you would just hope that you didn't like contradict anything somebody else had already done or said. Um, we take a lot of care to make sure that the people, I mean, one, the people we hire are really experienced and pretty senior, but but then we we make sure that they understand the way that we approach the work um, so that there's consistency when they go into the clients. And it's, it's like going to school to basically learn this stuff, even though you might already have some experience with it. All right. Now. Recently, I was teaching a class and Luther took the class and we got to the topic of coaching stances and he kind of took over and did a much better job of explaining it than I did. So I was going to ask him to talk through that. But before we do that, Luther, could you share a little bit about your background with the folks so they can understand like how you come to this
1: topic and why you have such an affinity for it? Absolutely. Um, for. Seven years, seven and a half years. I was an educator, public school educator. I was actually a band director, and so a lot of my teaching, or a lot of a lot of my classroom etiquette, had to deal with leadership. And um, as, while going through that CSM training, we talked about servant leadership, and then we talked, we went from servant leadership into coaching stances, yeah. and those things are pillars when it comes when you talk about building a program or like running a classroom, the the thing, those coaching stances are what sets apart, you know, your normal teachers from your elite teachers. Okay. You know, it, it it's one of those things that Dave, you made a comment during the class that you can't be everything to everybody. And it's the same way in education. We all have teachers that we remember, and some are because they were great, and some are because they were not great. (laughs) They were horrible. Um, So you you have different levels of teacher. We have teachers that you don't remember because they were just a part of the process. And then you have those teachers that stick out. Um, And I always strive to be one of those teachers that stuck out and that took putting in more effort. Um, And when we got in the conversation of coaching stances, it was just, it was a light bulb for me Um, because part of what we do in this consulting arena is or consulting industry is building relationships and the deeper relationships you build the more meaningful change you can make yeah um and being able to break down where you are and understand where you are in that that progression is super important.
0: Yeah that situational awareness is a big thing. Well um I want to I want to ask about one thing. So you brought up servant leadership. So maybe we can kind of start out with that and then move into the coaching stances because that's a thing i find it seems to me like a lot of people don't totally get that either like they think servant leaders are people who like just they're like errand boys or errand people i guess like if my mm-hmm. boss will get me coffee they're a servant leader um which i think that that maybe you're maybe the person you report to would be willing to get you some sort of sustenance if you needed it but it's not like they're they're not your servant there's more to it than that
1: Absolutely. Um, there's so much more to it than that. Um, servant leadership is all about building relationships. Okay. Um, it's all about making sure that people know that you're not just there to be transactional. You're there to be relational, um, even from, even from a leadership position. And so, um, servant leadership for me is the, the willingness and the desire to lift up the others around you so that one, they can be successful, but two, so that you can all share in that success together. Um, and it, it's vitally important when you, when you see organizations that have true servant leadership, it's a direct reflection in the culture of that organization. You can feel it, it's almost palpable, yeah, right? Yeah. It's, it, it's almost a tangible thing when you, when you know you're going into an organization People are invested in you and not just you, the employee, but you, the person. Right. And and so people when when people are making that investment in you, it makes you want to show up for them. Yeah. It's a two way street. Um, And when everyone's showing up for each other, I mean, that's the kind of work environment I want to be in. I don't know about most people. (laughs) Yeah. You know, I would love to be in an environment where, you know, I, I'm invested in those people, those people are invested in me and together we share in our success. But my goal is to make sure that they're successful because when they're successful, I, too, get to to partake in their success.
0: Yeah. And I, awesome. I imagine that that plays a lot into
1: the band director thing, too. Oh, Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, you know, uh, there is a movie, You're Only as Strong as Your Weakest Link, right? Um, that There's an old adage that says that. And um, it's so true. It's so true. And when you can get kids to rally around that weakest player and let them know that, hey, I know you're struggling, but what can I do to help you get to where you want to be? Yeah. It makes the entire group stronger.
0: Okay. So do you have a, a good example of somebody that you consider like a a servant leader that you can model after?
1: Yeah. um, When I first moved to Beaufort, Georgia um, and attended First Baptist Beaufort, there is a man in the church named James Reed. And I I had never seen anyone serve uh, people the way that he served people. Um, he unapologetically served people he was willing to give of his means in order to make sure that you had um there at one time I bought a truck that was way out of my budget, and I was looking to get rid of the truck and um he i mean he offered he hey, man, how much do you need in order for you to to make it through the month? Wow. i I didn't ask that of him, yeah, but he he just offered it up he saw he saw me struggling. And he, he came to me, he approached me and said, Hey, I see that you're going through this. What can I do to make sure that you have what you need through the month? Um, and I, that was one of the first times in my life I had ever experienced that kind of giving of oneself. Yeah. Um, and yeah. And he, he was that way up until he passed. So, yeah. Yeah. That's a startling thing. I mean, when I've had
0: experience, I've had experiences like that with people I've worked for, where they've done certain things or entrusted me with certain things, and I'm, I'm like, wait, what? what? Yeah, <laughs> this it's is just weird. weird. Why are you doing? Yeah. What do you want from me?
1: Yeah, well, exactly. <laughs> I think that's most people's reaction when 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 they have someone that is giving of themselves like that. Yeah. Like, why why are you being so nice? Yeah. What do you want? Like, is there ulterior motives? Like, and there was legitimately no motive other than he wanted to make sure that I was successful. Yeah. And that and then, and that makes you want to do that for others too. It's a very Absolutely. inspiring
0: thing. Cool. All right. Thank you. Um, so let's talk about the stances. So in the CSM class, when we talk about the role of the scrum master as somebody who's coaching, we discuss the fact that you wear different hats. So whether it's with an individual or with your team or groups of people in the organization, um, there's four specific stances that we key on in the class. There's, there's more than four, but four that we focus on in the CSM class. Um, the role of being a teacher, the role of being a facilitator, the role of being a coach and the role of being a mentor. So, um, you had a really great way of talking through this. So I'm just going to let you go off and take over for a few minutes. Maybe you can talk about these things.
1: Yeah, absolutely. The, the way that it, the, those four competencies were coached in a class, it was on a quadrant, right? Yeah. You had a teacher quadrant and the facilitator quadrant and the coach quadrant and then the mentor quadrant. Um, and the way that I visualize that you can you can eventually get to where. You can pull from one of those quadrants to fit the needs of either an individual or a team. But I think the initial relationship starts linearly. Um, You have to first start as a teacher. And then after you after the people recognize you as a good teacher, you gain the access or the agency to then become a facilitator. And then once you're successful there, you gain the agency and the access to be a coach. And then once you once they are comfortable with you as a coach, you gain the agency and access to be a mentor. Um, and it, those are like the four stages in in a working relationship um, for me. And so you can you can be one of those four things to whoever you need to be them too. But um, I think each step it, when you when you first start that relationship you have to start as a teacher you have to come in you have to be competent you have to be confident you have to um you you have to be able to communicate effectively right yes.
0: um
1: and 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 that's what that's what good teachers do but then good teachers grow into great facilitators because once you've imparted that knowledge upon whoever you're imparting that knowledge upon you you can then open the space for people to expound upon that knowledge and support them in that, and that I think that's what a good good facilitator does. They create the space, and then they moderate within that space. They don't have to control it; they allow the people to control that space.
0: Can I give um, an example of this one? Just absolutely. Know, so, because the way that you approach this is so different than the way that I've always thought about it until we started talking about it. But thinking back to when I started teaching, especially this like the CSM class. It was just I had to get through it. Like I just to, yeah. I hope they don't ask too many questions. I'm just gonna like if, if they ask, I'm gonna put it in the parking lot and never come back to it. And then I got to a point where I had enough comfort that I could open it up and just let the students run certain things or let them take it wherever they wanted to go. And I'm just facilitating them learning what they want to learn. Like I don't it doesn't have to follow my plan. I I, I can cope with whatever because I have a feeling that I have enough mastery of the subject matter that I can respond in whatever with whatever they need.
1: Right. And so what you do, you come in and you interject, okay, Hey, I, I see you guys are moving towards this way, but here's a different way to look at it. And then you open the space again, yeah. right? Like you get to moderate, you get to jump in, you interject, you, you know, give us a new way of looking at things. And then you back out and you watch the conversation happen. That's the the beauty of a facilitator. Okay. Um, they're allowing, I think facilitators allow that personal responsibility mm-hmm. to enter the conversation. Okay. Right. Um, and then after you're comfortable as a facilitator or or the, the team is confident in you as a facilitator, I think you gain the access as a coach. Um and coach, what what do coaches do, right? We're in the middle of the game. We're in the heat of the moment. Coach calls timeout, <laughs> right. brings everybody into the huddle. They draw up the play and then they send the team out to execute. But that, that's what people see on game day. Yeah. What happens in the background? What happens at practice? Right. The coach is 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 helping the, the players to hone those skills, giving them tips. You know, they in, they interject a little more often. Um, and, and the team, if you're a good coach, the team is receptive to that because they want to go out and execute that play because they know by executing that play, they're going to have a higher probability of success. Um, Do you think that the coach, um, and
0: I'm thinking specifically about sports, should should a coach be able to to take a read on different people and determine who needs, what, when, and like, if I can see that you need some sort of boost, I can find a way to give you that. And if I can see that what you really need is
1: somebody to tell you, like, work better, be better at this, you know, you can do more. Absolutely. Okay. Absolutely. Yeah. The, the coach has to be the motivator and the coach has to understand each of their players okay. on a person on a personal level, good yeah. coaches yeah. understand each of their players on a personal level. Um, I coach soccer. I coach track. um, I help coach a little bit of volleyball i help coach a little bit of basketball and i've watched great coaches do what they do and some kids you can come off and you you can look at them and go all right look here's what i need you to do uh xyz run this play here's what you didn't do correctly here's how you can fix it um, and bad coaches, they, they, you know, the the, the kid comes off the, the field and they just yell, that was terrible. What are you doing? Yeah. Go sit down. You're benched. Right. That's what a bad you coach. Suck. Yeah. yeah. You're terrible. You suck. And, and, and so I've seen both ends of the spectrum, but the ones who are effective coaches take the time to break down what went wrong, why it went wrong, and what they can do better. Okay. That's what a good coach does.
0: So there's a thing
1: when we talk about agile coaching that um, I think
0: is an important component of it, where an agile coach, one of our coaches coming into an organization, whatever they see that they want for themselves, that's not going to be part of the conversation. Right. It's discovering what the the people in the company or the company wants to achieve, helping a team or an individual find their own path. What are they willing to do to get there? keeping them motivated, like you said, but safe at the same time.
1: Yes. Okay.
0: But it doesn't seem like that always plays out so well in the sports example. It's <laughs> from what I remember of coaches, because there was obviously a lot of personal involvement in their uh, motivation, I guess, is with quotes well,
1: around it. I mean, <laughs> as a coach, I'm only as successful as my team is, right? And yeah, so yeah. there, of course, there is personal motivation there. But again, it's that we – we are all successful together mentality that the great coaches have. And, and great, like you, when you hear the difference between a decent coach or a bad coach and a great coach, the great coach will say, Hey, we went out you know, in the, in the instance of a loss, right? We went out there, we played, but I have to be better for my team. I have to be better for my players. That's the mark of a great coach because they recognize they, they take the hit. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Great coaches take the hit. And here's why great coaches take the hit. It gains them more access with their players. So I just want to make one mention that this
0: podcast is going to come out the week or the the one that's going to follow one that I just did with Mike Kottmeyer. And there's a lot in there that touches on this particular subject about um, when things don't go the way we want, where do we look first? So anybody who wants to hear more about that, I'd encourage you to check out. Mike had some really interesting things to say about it.
1: Okay. Sorry. I interrupted you. No, I hope I didn't. I hope I didn't contradict what he said. No, 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 no. no. I wouldn't have brought it up if you did. <laughs> All, right. <laughs> All right. So mentoring. Okay. So mentors are, that's like the epitome. That's like the pinnacle of the relationship. That's where that person trusts you personally with okay, their okay. success. You know, a coach, you can trust a coach with the success of the team, but a mentor is trusted with the success of that personal, that that individual, I think. Um, And mentors can read the room better than anyone. They can read that person better than anyone. They can read that team. And that team knows that they can go to that person with anything anything that's like the the that's that's where all of the access is and they know that that's a safe place that they can go they can vent they can talk they can ask questions and get sound advice um the 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 mentor is what i strive to be as a teacher um Mm, wow you looped it back around yeah it is it's where is where i strive to be as a teacher Um, because I remember my high school band director who invested in me as a person. I mean, he, I still have his number to this day. We still talk to this day. And um, when, when I had successes, he would call, he would reach out, Hey, I heard this happened in your life. Congratulations. I'm really proud of you. It, It goes beyond just Hey, you know we we achieved the goal. Cool, high five. Let's move on to the next. It's it's a it's a it's an investment. It's an investment. It's a true investment. And when people buy in and, and people feel like they have a mentor. That's that's where the love is, you know. That's where the love of workplace, the the love of friendship, uh, brotherhood, that's where all the all these things that people talk about when they when they want to talk about a team, it's a brotherhood, it's a family, it's this, it's that. Like that's where the mentorship is. But if that takes a personal investment in the success of someone, not as a again, not as an employee, but as a person. So the thing that you said at the very beginning that really struck me with this
0: is that the, the mentee trust the mentor with their success and almost like I'm placing it in someone else's hands. Like I believe that you will give me advice that will help me be better regardless of what it is. I had, that's not something I had really ever thought about. I mean, I've had, I remember one particular conference I went to, there was some session on mentorship and then I spoke about something else. And, for the rest of the conference, people I'd never met kept coming up and they'd be like, will you mentor me? Will you mentor me? I'm like, I don't even know you. Like it just seems a little premature. Like they don't know me. I don't know them. Like we could hate each other. Um, But I think there's an assumption that a lot of people make that like, if I get a mentor,
1: they'll fix me or open doors for me. Well, okay. So a lot of people in that case, in my opinion, yeah. Asking for a coach. Will you coach me? Ah, okay, right. Even if they don't know, they're asking for a
0: coach. They need. They a coach. don't. Yeah. They
1: well, people hear mentor and people hear coach, and they go, "Oh, well, those are not synonymous." Yeah. Uh not not quite. Like, <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, a a coach is more focused on the bigger picture. Okay. You know, the coach has a whole, you know, team to worry about. You know. Well, do you
0: think the mentor is going to be more? I- I'm wanting to check with you on this because I'm not a hundred percent sure I'm right. It's just how I've always thought about it. The people that I mentor, my personal desires for their achievement are part of the conversation. Like I don't hide that. Yes. But I try to hide that when I'm coaching. Absolutely. Because, okay. Okay. Yeah. Cause I want that coaching relationship to be about what they want and what they want to do. But if it switches to the other side, then I'm allowed to be more open about that stuff, I feel like. Yeah,
1: you can a, a mentor mentee relationship is vulnerable. Okay. Wow. And, and I think that's important to remember. Yeah. You know, because I I am trusting you not just with my my work success but with my life success. Yeah. You know, it it goes beyond that. That's why mentor mentee relationships last beyond or through multiple jobs yeah right people that you mentor they may switch from this job to this job and you're still a mentor why because there's a personal relationship with there yeah. if you were just a coach it would end once that engagement ends okay you know so, you i have kids that i coached right that i don't talk to anymore because they got out of me what they needed it was yeah <laughs> You know, they got their wins, they got their ring, they got their whatever, and they're on to the next. But there are still kids that were on those teams that had a deep relationship. And nope. now when they need now, if they need something and they know, OK, well, I need advice on this. Can, let me reach out. You know, that's when you know you've you've gone that extra mile.
0: What about when you see people and you're like I that I can fix <laughs> like, you know, they need you, but they don't know they need you. Now, is that something where like, if you feel like you, you have a lot of value for that person as a mentor, but they are not aware of that, or they haven't asked, is that an okay thing? Cause I, I had a boss that used to do that to me. He would come in and he'd tell me like, okay, Dave, we're going to have a little mentoring moment right now. I'm going to mentor you. And I had never asked for that. And I didn't trust
1: him And mentoring to him. Just meant he was going to tell me why I sucked. But, um, well, I wouldn't if, consider that a mentor relationship. That was a coaching moment for him
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, but, yes, but if you see someone and you feel like you can help them, is it okay for you to initiate that, or do they have to initiate the interaction?
1: That's a great question. I have a friend who is is good at what they do, mm-hmm. and I help mentor. But there are things that I, I think, as a mentor, you have to allow that person to fail. Be willing to allow that person to fail and see their mistake first. Yeah. Um, so that they'll be open to that change. Okay. You you have to know that you have a problem. Yeah. Or you, you can be looking for help. Yeah. Yeah, and so I can't put as a mentor, I won't put my. You know, I won't put, try to force my opinion into the situation. Right. I will give advice initially nine times out of 10, that person won't heed that advice because they don't feel like they have a problem.
0: Yeah.
1: Yeah. And then what it is, it's it's what we call calling our shots, right? You call your shots. And then (laughs) once, you know, once they, they realize, okay, I keep doing this and this isn't working. Yeah. So let me, let me call Dave and go, okay, Dave, what was that thing you told me to do again? Yeah. Right. Yeah. It gains you more access. Um, and I think that's the hardest part because like, what you said, like my, my personal desire is for you to be successful. So it's hard for me to let you fail, but that's a part of that relationship.
0: Yeah. I, I'm glad that, that I asked that question. I wasn't sure you were going to respond. And when you were talking through it, I was thinking, you know, it's one of the things we say about coaching is you have to be invited to coach somebody like they have to ask you. Yeah. I think it sounds like it's the same for mentoring, because as I mentioned in class that my friend Brandon said, anytime somebody comes to him and says, I should be a mentor, he's like, those people should never be mentors. And cause it's about their ego. And I think what? that this might be, I mean, it's not malicious ego, but like, if I see someone, cause this happens to me all the time, friends or people I work with or whatever, I see something, I'm like, I know I can see this problem. They know how to solve it, but if they haven't seen the problem and they haven't asked me for help and we don't have that kind of relationship, it's not my place. Right. So I'd have to kind of and, just let that one be.
1: Well, the diff- I think here the difference between, you know, the coach and the mentor is the mentor has a little more access to give you that tough news. Okay. You know, like the coach... The coach is gonna is gonna just you know tell you, right? You know, I'm like, all right, here's what's gonna happen, and then you can go and figure it out on your own. Yeah. Like yeah. a mentor is gonna sit you down and go, okay, look, here's the problem, and here's why. Yeah. You don't yeah. have to listen to me, <laughs> but here's the problem. Here is why you have to. Here is why there there is a problem. And if you want me to tell you what what you can do to fix it then i will yeah but if yeah. you don't that's fine too okay so this is kind
0: of guiding towards the other thing that i wanted to ask you about and this is a place where what's so interesting to me about the way you talk about these different states it's it's very different from the way i first i think that i've thought about them and the way i probably first experienced them um i have always looked at it like These are different roles that I take on. And some of them come more easily than others. And sort of one of the things that I root this in is public speaking. Like I was super nervous about that in the beginning, really awkward about it. And eventually I just decided to pretend that I was me like a year from now where I wasn't nervous about it and I would act like that person. And eventually I got to a place where it wasn't a big deal anymore. And with these different states, Um, some of them I can put on more easily than others. And some of them, when I put them on, it feels like I'm wearing the wrong pants. Like they just don't fit right. And it's very awkward. And I think it's probably awkward for me and the recipient. And what I've always said is like, there's just not any way you're going to, it's going to be that way. (laughs) You're going to look clumsy and weird. And it's going to be like that until it's not. Because I don't know of another way to do it, but I'm wondering if maybe the, walking through them, those things in different steps, the way that you talked about, maybe that could clear that out.
1: I'm, I'm just. Well, you can't enter a relationship and go, well, I'm going to be your mentor now. Because you, you, you haven't done the work to gain that access to have yeah. a relationship, you know? And so if you're at the teacher stage in the relationship and your job is to simply impart knowledge, yep, right? Yep. All you need to do is impart knowledge but as soon as you cross that line and you don't have the access to do that, that that person's going to shut down anyway. So that's why you have people who feel like they have on the wrong pants is they're trying to force their way into a higher, um, a higher level in the relationship. Yeah. You know, like mentors have the ability to be facilitators because they're trusted. They have the ability to be a coach because they're trusted. And they have the ability to be a teacher because they're trusted. They have that relationship. And then coaches, a lot of coaches have the access and ability to be a good um, facilitator and a good teacher. But, you know, they don't they haven't reached the mentor status yet.
0: Yeah. Right.
1: And then a facilitator only has teacher under it. Right. So a teacher like the teacher is like that's the most basic relationship i give you knowledge you take in my knowledge that's that's Hmm. about as basic as it gets so if you only have teacher access but you're trying to facilitate nine times out of ten your the the people that you're teaching don't have the capacity or the knowledge to even hold the conversation about the things that you haven't even taught yet yeah you know what I'm saying? Yeah. And so like you have to really establish that teacher relationship before you can move forward. And then you have to establish that ability for people to personally invest in their in their education. Right. Before, you, you know, you can facilitate a conversation. Yeah. yeah I, I remember my first year teaching my first year teaching these kids had been through the ringer i was their third band director in three years okay and and i came in in the middle of the year oh okay so i came in in december third band director In three years. That's not a good situation for anybody to walk into. Right. And so those kids, like a lot of them, immediately felt like everything that I was trying to do was a personal attack on them.
0: Yeah.
1: Everything that I did was a personal attack. Oh, well, you want me to sit up in my chair? I nobody's wanted me to sit up in my chair before, blah, blah, blah. blah, Like it was just, it was so bad initially, right? And so what did I do? I I have to put on my teacher hat. OK, I'm going to teach you the things so that you can start to see success. And they have to buy into that success or they they have to see that success or see that they're gaining more knowledge before they even think about allowing you access to the next stage. And so for the first that I mean, it was six months for the first two. All I did was teach, you know. And I, you know, we had fun, you know, I, I, I tried to expose them to different types of music, but it was just, it was literally fundamentals. That's all we did those first two months. And once they started to see success in those fundamentals, I was able to then go, okay, so now that we can do these things, get in the groups. Yeah. And I want you to take your groups and I want you you guys to coach each other through this short piece of music. And so then we had these small group projects and the kids were facilitating the conversation. And then what would they do? Hey, Mr. Harris, I don't know what to do with this. Can you come show us? And then I walk over. I will interject. I'll show them. They go, oh, OK, I got it. And then I will back back out and continue to allow them to facilitate that conversation. Yeah. And then we would bring the whole group back together. And I will coach after they after they were able to facilitate conversations, I would coach and I would motivate, right? Hey, you got this. I, 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 know, I know you think that's hard. That's not hard right now. Here's what you need to do to fix it. I would draw up the play. Hey, guys, we're going to get from this, this mark to this mark, okay? And we're going to do it together. Here's how we're going to do it. Draw up yeah. the plan, blah, yeah. blah, 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 blah. And then we would do it. And those kids would go, awesome. And there were kids in that group who... Once we got to that level and they felt like they were successful, that was it for them. That's all they needed. Yeah. You know, and some people, they don't want a mentor. They they don't need that extra relationship. All they want is their success and that's totally fine. Like no, no love lost, you know, but I had to be willing to put in that time. But then there were other kids who wanted more from that point forward you know and it was Mr. Harris I want to continue doing this um can you give me lessons yeah and you you know do, do you know someone who gives private lessons that you trust and then those parents buy in and and every now at this point once you hit mentor stage everybody's buying in and everybody's cohesive everybody's on the same page everybody wants everyone else to be successful.
0: I want to, I want to add a little bit to this so one thing that, and then we can switch back to <laughs> music, but in Oklahoma, my daughter, my daughter plays trumpet. And um, when she was in high school, she had a, she was taking lessons with a guy at, at OU who became like a mentor for her and opened, not just coached her, but also introduced her to other people and other situations like had her come sit in when he would play in the orchestra. So there yes. was a time when she sat in a chair next to him or next to his teacher and, um, it's it's creating opportunities for people to to grow and and yes. and not and like you said, I think not
1: that's not gonna be right for everybody, but for those who want to everybody's that's just not speaking that, right? Yeah. And so you have to understand your team and understand where you are with each person on your team. Yeah. Because there are gonna be some people on your team that go, you know what? Like once we're successful, I'm done with you guys. Yeah, you know we we did our job. On to the next,
0: and that's fine. Yeah, I think that's fine. Yeah, for the people from Leading Agile that are listening to this, we talk a lot about the um, trust influence loop, and I think everything you're talking about and moving through these states all echoes back to that. Absolutely, which is is a really
1: amazing thing. Um, Absolutely. Um, I was actually looking at the trust influence loop and I, I was not going to bring it up. <laughs> oh, I love talk-
0: that, that loop. So if, for people that aren't familiar with it, um, the speed of trust by, uh, his name is also Stephen Covey, but it's the sun. Um, that book had a huge impact on me and the way that I think about stuff and the way that we apply to leading
1: agile is really, I don't know. It's one of my favorite things about the company. Yeah, with, that could be a whole another hour conversation talking through the trust. Yeah. And-
0: this was awesome. I appreciate you taking time out and talking through all this stuff. Do you have any advice for people that are trying to move through these steps? Like trying to learn how to be a scrum master or trying to get their footing with this?
1: I, yeah, the understanding your role, um, especially as a scrum master or a product owner. Um, understand your role and understand that it takes time to develop these relationships. You cannot go in and I know you're called an agile coach, coach, um, but you can't go in and just start coaching. You have to understand that you're going into a situation where they don't know what to do. Yeah. They don't know what they don't know. And so your job initially is to teach. And then what, after you're done teaching the methodologies, then your job is to facilitate so that they can take personal ownership of the, these, the, the progress that they're making. And once you've gotten to that point, then you can coach.
0: Yeah. I want to add a step, too. Before you start teaching, just watch for a little while.
1: Yes. Because you sure. don't
0: know what you don't know either.
1: Yeah. you got to figure yeah. out what, what's going on. Get the layout in. Oh, yeah. Yeah, absolutely you, you definitely have to observe first um yeah. and too many people come in and they go you know what i got the corner market on this and let's do it i'm just going to tell you everything that you need to do and everything that you've been doing wrong for all these years yeah and people don't respond well to that <laughs> no they do not
0: no. this is great so what if folks want to get in touch with you and ask you uh, additional questions about this what's the best way to reach you
1: uh, feel free to email me, uh, luther.harris at leadingagile.com. Uh, and that's L-U-T-H-E-R dot H-A-R-R-I-S cool. at leadingagile.com. All
0: right. I'll make sure to include a link to that in your profile page. I really appreciate you. I mean, I appreciate that you took the time out this, but more than than anything else, I appreciate that you have a complete had have a different way that, that you look at this. And I have learned a lot from talking about it. So
1: thank you very much. Thanks, Dave. This has been awesome.